Today's episode of the Nick Taylor Horror Show is brought to you by Diabolic DVD. For almost 20 years, Diabolic DVD has been the source for horror, cult, and weird cinema to customers around the world. Diabolic offers a one-stop shopping experience for all of your favorite labels, including Arrow, Synapse, Vinegar Syndrome, Severin, Mondo Macabro, Blue Underground, 88, and many more from all corners of the globe. So whether you're looking for the definitive version of Suspiria or trying to upgrade your crusty old DVD of Cannibal Holocaust, Diabolic is the owner-operated small business choice you've been craving. Shop online at DiabolicDVD.com. That's D-I-A-B-O-L-I-K-DVD.com. Attention to all you New York listeners, the beloved comic book shop Forbidden Planet is in trouble in the wake of COVID-19. After months with zero revenue coming in and massive expenses going out, rent, utilities, and other bills have added up very quickly. The cost of doing business in New York City is astronomical, especially in a ground floor location off of Union Square. I grew up going to this place and could always find whatever my nerdy heart desired at Forbidden Planet, whether it was issues of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac or a rare Todd McFarlane movie maniacs action figure, Forbidden Planet had it and gave me the opportunity to hang out with members of my own tribe. I still go to this place and still get super excited every time I walk through their doors. Their staff is unbelievably nice and knowledgeable, and I always walk out with some awesome new discovery. Seriously, this is a magical place, and it breaks my heart that they're in trouble. The owners are dedicated to ensuring that their staff has a job waiting for them when the quarantine is lifted, and because of that, they need your help and have started a GoFundMe page. Just Google Forbidden Planet GoFundMe and you'll find it. Luckily, Forbidden Planet has been able to reopen their doors. So if you're in the New York City area or planning a visit, make sure you go there. Damn the man, save the planet. Please give if you can, and if you can't, please share the campaign. Welcome to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Brett and Drew Pierce, known in the industry as the Pierce Brothers, are the directorial duo behind The Wretched. Released by IFC Midnight, The Wretched is a contemporary witch story about a teenage boy sent to spend the summer working in a beach town marina only to discover something weird going on with the house next door. Turns out the neighbors are under the control of the spirit of a wicked witch from the woods. Wretched is another great entry into this new season of the witch series of movies that are on par with Gretel and Hansel, The Witch, and Hagazusa. The Wretched has also been in the news recently for breaking COVID-era box office records. As the result of a strategy from IFC Midnight, The Wretched was one of the few movies that was released to audiences during the lockdown to the last safe bastion of public cinema, drive-in theaters. This strategy has allowed IFC Midnight to carve out a top box office position for the movie during a time when just about all other studios have frozen their release schedules. The Wretched has held a top box office position for about five weeks. Again, The Wretched is one of the very few new movies being released now, and one of the few whose box office numbers are being tracked. But it appears that horror on a big screen as a shared experience is still cherished, even during these troubled times. All in all, it seems Joe Bob Briggs was right, and the drive-in will never die. 
The Pierce brothers actually grew up on the set of Evil Dead since their father, Bart Pierce, was on the special effects makeup crew. So it's clear that indie horror filmmaking is very much in their blood. We talked about their history, their first movie, Deadheads, what they learned, including how they pitched producers outside of the industry, and we geeked out about witch mythology. All of this and so much more on this episode of the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Now for your listening pleasure, here are the Pierce brothers. So huge congratulations on the wretched. Really, really enjoyed that a lot. How did uh, how did the movie itself come together? I mean, I know about your guys' background, but how did how did this movie happen from you know original inception to to finally getting the the entire thing filmed? It really kind of just started with Drew and I. I think we made our first film, Deadheads, which was a zombie comedy, and we had fun doing that. But I think we really realized we just wanted to make a straight horror film. Yeah, um, just where our interests just lie more. I think. And we just, we were such big fans of all these different witch mythologies that we had been reading about from like Black Annie to the Boo Hag to the Kaliak to, there's another one called Jenny Greenfingers. And we just We'd loved- never seen any of them on screen. We'd never seen like a, you know, a, like a, a, about like a, like a movie about a scary witch, you know, like yeah. a creature. Yeah. So I think we just liked two of these myths, which was the Boo Hag and Black Annie, which the kind of skinwalking element was from the Boo Hag, and Black Annie was this creepy witch that lived in a tree that stole and ate children. And we just liked those two ideas, so we just kind of like squashed them together. And That's cool. Yeah, we were just super excited about the idea, so we started writing it. Very cool. So you were able to basically hybridize concepts of witchcraft and witch mythology that you, you liked into a kind of boogeyman or boogeywoman, so to speak, in this case. Yeah, yeah. I think we had it in our heads, like, we had to go with one for a while. Like, pick one, let's just adapt that. And then we were kind of like, nah, but I think our story is going to be better if we use a couple of these. And as soon as we kind of, like, convinced ourselves that was okay, that's what we went for, so. Very, yeah, very we, cool. we had all, like, we'd lived through, like, the vampire renaissance of, like, 15 years of different rules and, like, the vampires evolving through all these different concepts. And we were like, we started to think, like, what are the rules for witches? What are the actual like guidelines? Like that's, that's sort of what makes it so much fun to watch a vampire film is like, you know, following along, like, can you see their shadow? Can you invite them inside? And we started to think about like, what are the witches rules? What, what's their mythology? And, uh, yeah, we just got really excited. Like, you know, hodgepodge. That's really cool. Did you in the research process come across anything or go down any dark alleyways or paths that were too intense where you said, all right, we have to draw the line here because obviously witchcraft is a little bit of a slippery slope. <laughs> there, there were definitely conversations about how many children can we murder in this movie? <laughs> um, it's kind of hard to avoid though. Cause that's the truth is most witches. I mean, they eat babies, man. That's what they do. So that's you just, um, and we didn't want to shy away from that, though, at the same time, because that's kind of what makes them creepy is they're always the witches in almost every myth are kind of a representation of kind of a uh, dark motherhood or a lust to want to be a mother or a jealousy of it. So it was kind of like, well, I mean, we're pretty much working in the same world as Hansel and Gretel. And right. that's OK, because fairy tales are supposed to be creepy, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Did any of the research put you in touch with any either people or texts that was uh that where you had to say all right we have to either stop reading this or stop contacting this person did anything in a supernatural way get frightening during the research process <laughs> where you had to draw the line not really i mean i just 
You know what's funny is I joke about Drews. I want to believe in ghosts, vampires, and everything horrible, demons and stuff because I find it fascinating. But I'm the biggest skeptic in the world. Like anytime yeah. a friend tries to give it to me, like, oh, I saw a ghost. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, you didn't see a ghost. <laughs> it was just some weird noise in your pipes or something like that. Um, so it's it's funny. It's like I have such a fascination with it and I really want to believe in it. So I'll read it to death. But it's probably because I have these hopes of just discovering like some actual proof somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did watch a handful of YouTube videos and it, going down a dark hole of like women that they're they're still burning alive like in Africa because they think Whoa. they're witches. Like there's still some element of that, which is really you know freaky. Oh my <laughs> yeah. god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's definitely pretty- dark practices that were you know in effect back in the dark ages and stuff that were kind of you know, disturbing that you don't like to think about, but it's, 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 it's rich fodder for trying to come up with stories. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it feels like this is kind of the witching hour, so to speak, but there's a lot of witch movies coming out and it seems to be like a renewed renaissance for witches where at one point it was vampires. And then at one point, another point it was zombies. It seems yeah. like it's season yeah. of the witch right now yeah. between this <laughs> and Gretel and Hansel and the witches. And I think that they or no, the witch, that uh, Eggers did, and they, I think they're, from what I understand, they're remaking the Royal Doll Witches. Yeah, oh, it comes cool. out this summer. That's what oh, I heard. That's right. Yeah, yeah that would scare yeah. the well, hell out of me as a kid. It comes out this summer, yeah. yeah. Right, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that, yeah in that some was ways, a- that was a bit of an inspiration for us, because we, we, I loved that book as a kid, and we always thought, like, what's the, what's the grown-up, scarier version of this story, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, where would this go if it was actually, like, not made for kids? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's kind of funny. You don't really go into it thinking like, oh, witches are going to be big in a year or two years from now and stuff. It's just funny. It's like you realize like everybody who makes horror films, you all kind of get drawn to like the same area that's like missing. Yeah. So Mm. so then you end up with like a year or two where you're like, man, we all were kind of feeling the same feels, you know, (laughs) good old collective unconscious. Yeah. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) So where did you guys shoot, by the way? It was uh, Michigan, uh, okay. northern Michigan. We, we, we're we from Michigan. That's that's our home base. So yeah. it's just always nice going back there. It's it's sort of the typical thing you hear from filmmakers. But, like, people are so friendly. You know, like, yeah. when you want to shoot on their property, they're not like, get off my lawn. Get yeah. out of here. You know, that's, that's <laughs> Yeah, the I heard that that's a really good filmmaking hack, so to speak, is not to shoot in New York or L.A. And you go to mm-hmm. the small little quiet towns, and people are overjoyed by the excitement that a film crew brings. And oh, we, yeah. say, put on, yes. we put on our local Detroit hats whenever we, we go knock on doors and like <laughs> we do all the location scouting ourselves because we try That's and awesome. a local card. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So we just kind of took advantage of, you know, everybody's generosity, really, and, and <laughs> friends and family. Yeah. Um, people are excited, you know, just like we're excited, you know, so it's it, people are want to be part of it. Yeah. That's in fun. fact, our our stepdad, our mother and our father all worked on the movie at the same yeah. time. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Everybody in. It's yeah. all hands on deck to make these movies. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. And you guys are from Detroit originally. Yeah, right? we grew up there um, and kind of had the best childhood ever because, like, our dad initially did effects for the original Evil Dead. So we kind of grew up around those guys making that. So that kind of, like, made us always want to make films. And then as we got older, we got into high school and we took over, like, the TV station that produced all the live content and shorts and stuff. And we met all these other filmmakers and we all just made a ton of terrible shorts and films and kind of like just learned by screwing up. <laughs> yeah, we, we showed one of our first horror films because Bruce Campbell's always been like the weird uncle to us. Like we see him every so often like a family friend. But we'd, we'd always show him our like bad high school like horror films. 
Uh, <laughs> we showed him one. And uh, I remember like we were like probably 19 at the time. Our producer was demanding like, hey, Bruce, we need a quote so we can put it on the poster like for this terrible like, you know, it's it's fun, but it's like three thousand dollar movie. <laughs> kids in the woods, a monster, uh-huh. and you know, and and Bruce was like, I'm not giving you a quote. You need to like fix the sound mix. You need to do this, that. And he goes to leave. And right before he uh, heads out the door, our, our producer one last time is like, I need a quote. I need anything. And he's like, you want a quote? It didn't suck as much as I thought it did. <laughs> <laughs> and he slams the door and leaves. And we uh, we called him the next day and asked him if we could use that quote on the uh, DVD. <laughs> and sold it. Yeah. <laughs> Any quote yeah, for Bruce Campbell? Yeah, that was our, yeah. that was our high school quote. filmmaking experience. <laughs> so your dad worked on the original Evil Dead. Were you guys on set at all? I was like two or three, and Drew was like a baby. Um, yeah, I was born so. right as <clears throat> Evil Dead, yeah. and then they did all the effects. They did a bunch of the effects in my basement. So, so apparently, I was upstairs crying my face off because I'm probably a couple months old, and Sam Raimi and everybody would show up and you know watch the progress as they worked on yeah. it over the course of eight months. Yeah, they they basically set up the basement was like the effects studio Uh, our house. The basement was the effects studio. Our dad and this other uh, effects guy, Tom Sullivan, just basically worked down there all summer with Sam and the guys just doing all the uh, big meltdown sequence at the end of the movie and some other effects. And I mean, the only Mm -hmm. thing I remember is I snuck down there and I saw them like screening some of the meltdown scene and I like freaked out. So I was like afraid of my basement after Mm -hmm. that, like scarred me. So but um, yeah, I was a good. A good experience because you know it, it put it in our craw to like try to make your own movies and that if you can't get a studio to get your movie going just go make it yourself you know <laughs> mm-hmm. has that been the approach that you guys have taken since day one 100 percent. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. you can't wait around for anybody like we've we've toyed with studios at different points or gotten projects sort of like involved with other producers but ultimately like nobody cares about the project more than you you know it's like a baby <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like you just, yeah, even with this one, I think we were with another com- couple companies thought about producing it. And we were just like, by the end of it, we were like, this isn't going to happen, man. Let's just go figure it ourselves. Let's find the money and get back to Michigan and start shooting. So it requires so much hustle to make an indie movie that, like, having any level of like overhead or just people that are even taking money from the budget to produce or creatively give notes, it just seems a little silly. You want to put every dollar on screen, you know? No, of course, of course. So how were you guys able to get this movie made on your own? So you were, were, did you, instead of going through studios, would you just turn to private investments and find like smaller indie producers? Yeah, we were frustrated dealing with a bunch of different producers and everybody's struggling trying to figure out the financing game of how you put together an independent film. And ultimately, we had this experience and it's also sort of... (laughs) Hearing the stories of Evil Dead is they basically just went around and pitched like dentists and doctors, like wealthy people. So we that's kind of how we approached our first movie, which was much lower budget. And uh, this one, we 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 sort of stepped up our game. Um, I'm a storyboard artist. That's like my like a pro storyboard artist, like for big mm-hmm. movies and concept designer. I, I used to work on Futurama. So I did a bunch oh, of nice. concept. I did a bunch of yeah, thanks. I did a bunch of concept art and put together like a really slick looking lookbook, like a 20 page, like 
here's the story, here's the elements, here's what it feels like, here's some casting choices. Um, and then we, we, you know, we made a sizzle reel where you cut together a ripomatic where you cut together a bunch of clips from, from tonally things that feel in the right vein. And we found a cool track to put underneath it. Um, and then we put together all the, uh, this is the boring side, but all the, the tax incentives investing in a film and you try to comp together like other, uh, <laughs> other films that have made, um, that are similar budget level. And ideally they're not from like 20 years ago. Cause everybody always puts like parallel activity or something. Um, but we bit, we put together this big package with the script, like a finished script and started reaching out to everybody and anybody who would listen, friends and friends of friends who had money. Um, the first movie we put together for, for a super low budget, like a couple hundred thousand dollars, um, that was, we had like 20 or 30 investors. We were taking people out. This is Deadheads, our previous movie. Yep. We were taking people out to dinners and <laughs> propositioning them like, can you give us a thousand bucks? This yeah. this project, um, it was much bigger and we didn't want to deal with a million investors. So we, so we found some bigger fish and um, yeah, got them really excited. And it was a process. We basically chopped it down to the lowest budget we could possibly pull off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, cause we had a pretty, uh, pretty difficult movie to shoot on a low budget. We had kids and animals and effects and, and some action sequences, um, super ambitious. Uh, and then, yeah, it was a miracle, yeah. <laughs> but we, we eventually, it was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of propositioning people and making, you know, the other X factor of that though was too, is like, I think because we had made the other film deadheads, that was so much of why the people invested in our film is they, mm. they were like, oh, these guys already did it once. They did it at a lower scale, but they did well with it. Um, this is a step up for them. So I think if we didn't have deadheads, they probably would have been like, no, nah, we're not doing that. <laughs> you know? right. so it. It took making that whole movie to be able to get somebody to do this one with us. So, so a track record of completing a film is. Yeah. 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 And Drew, like you said, had worked on a bunch of major studio films. So they felt strongly about that. I had been working as a producer for reality television for a lot of major networks. So that also those two things, like hearing those two things and then seeing the passion and how the movie was going to feel with that lookbook and the script and all the other stuff. It was just like, we covered all the bases we possibly could cover for like an independent film. You know? and, we, right. and we spoke to our experience because the first movie we we learned so much going through the festival circuit is its own sort of universe and game. Like there's mm-hmm. kind of a system like obviously, you know, it's not like people get in if they have a terrible movie, but there's definitely a lot of, you know, a social component of trying to approach these people and get them excited and get people to champion your movie at these festivals. And um, and also the press game is a whole different game. And then just doing deliverables is a whole nother game. Those are kind of the li- less sexy like aspects of filmmaking that you kind of have to be a master of. And right. we had no idea what we were doing on our first movie, but we learned so much and we could kind of talk to it as far as like talking to, you know, the investors for for the wretched. Is that how um, IFC Midnight jumped on board was on the. uh we had uh, we premiered at Fantasia uh, Fest, um, and we just did we did really well. We sold out there. Um, nice. People seemed to love it, and we got like a really good review and a variety and a bunch of other stuff. So it was kind of like right after that, actually, uh, CAA came on to represent the movie, 
And they started fielding offers and IFC came in fairly shortly after that, you know, along with others that were thinking about it too. But um, yeah, that, I mean, it's pretty much, it was, it was the hype of the festival and the really good reviews and people coming out of it, like just talking about the movie that, I mean, that can change anybody's mind at a distribution company, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. And I'm always fascinated by director teams people who yeah. are able to, to, to collaborate together. And you guys obviously are brothers, but what are the keys to your collaboration when, when directing together and producing for that matter? It's like a marriage. I mean, in every <laughs> way you have to like nurture. Sometimes when you get into an argument, you have to <laughs> back off. Um, I think one of the great parts about Brett and I is we both have very different skill sets and complementary skill sets like the you know we both have different you know blind spots i think everybody does like things that we're not as good at and we sort of fill those like i'm definitely as it, we're, we're writers too and in the writing process i'm more of the person that like i love plot and charting the destination and figuring out character arcs i'm obsessed with it mm-hmm. and brett is the guy that like i want to write right now and just figure out this scene and be excited about it and you kind of <laughs> need both halves of that sort of brain to, 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 and some people can do it by themselves and I praise them for it. I don't think I could, it'd be hard to write a script <laughs> the way, the way that I do it. I'd probably be too nitpicky. I'd be plotting out every little beat through the yeah. entire movie. Um, we're just kind of, I mean, despite that aspect of it, we're kind of like big planners. So like we just, we storyboard the whole film. We talk about it just to no end, like forever and ever we work through all the kinks so that when we finally go to shoot the film, we're so much on the same page that yeah. it's it's kind of like you can talk to either one of us and you get you're you're going to hear the same things. So it, it's you know there's no ego and it, it's 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 fun. And if you do all the funny thing is, is like if you do all the prep work, if you just work your ass off on the script and the storyboards and just talking it through, it's not going to be easy. You're still going to have all the problems in the world, but you're going to get to better solutions even when there's problems. And it's going to feel the movie's going to feel like it's really coming together as you're working through it. I think that's why there's so many like brother and sister teams and just best friends from childhood because somehow there's this like there is no ego. It's literally the best idea wins because like Brett could have a better idea than me and we'll argue that day. But the next day there's no ego. I won't have to like try and salvage why I thought this was a great idea. I'll just come back the next day and be like, I had such a stupid idea. I don't know what I was arguing, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, no, I've heard similar things. It, it's kind of important to sort of not just hold, hold those bad ideas up. And it, it, I think, you know, we tend to do that with everybody else. Yeah. And I've heard, um, I've heard from other director teams that it's really important to have somebody or usually the most successful collaborations are with actual siblings or childhood best friends. Cause you need that intimacy to the point where you can fight and then go right back to work the next day. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you have to be willing to look like an idiot. Like we propose ideas all the time for script ideas. And a lot of the best ideas we have feel like the dumbest sort of directions, you know, yeah. but it's not the calculated ideas that are usually really exciting to people. It's usually the sort of like off the tangent, bad ideas that turn into great ideas. Right. And it's hard to have that level of trust with somebody. If you're treating it like a professional relationship, I, you know, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So when it comes to filmmaking, screenwriting, directing, there's a lot of books on the topic, a lot of which are written by people who haven't actually done it. So there's a lot of <laughs> bullshit in that market, but it's true. That being said, were there any resources or books that were formidable for you guys, either from a directing, filmmaking, producing 
writing standpoint, anything that was really helpful when, when it came to filmmaking? There's so many for me. I think I'm obsessed with the like how to world of, <laughs> uh, for editing in the blink of an eye is a classic. I've read that a bunch of times that, that just informs so much of just, just the idea of like I, tracing and like how to like build a sequence and elevate the tension and um the fact that everybody reads an image the exact same way like they've done mm -hmm. in that book they talk about how your eye basically follows they, they, they would track like thousands of people watching the same film and 99 percent of the people their eyes are exactly on the same point at the exact same moment because we're all sort of conditioned Whoa. to sort of read pictures we think of it as a more organic process um, but it's not. It's actually very calculated. And that's why simulators are geniuses. <laughs> yeah. uh, and editors, really good editors understand that, like, if I put something on the far right side of screen and I cut and the next sort of position of your eye is going to be on the far left of screen or in that exact same spot, what's the intention that I'm trying to do? Because you can create anxiety or you can make people read a really uh, quick succession of uh, images if you build it in the right way. Um, so that stuff I really dug. There's there's a million yeah. books <laughs> and podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Do. I think, I mean, in a weird way, it's like I learn the most from like failing all the time, which is the most common thing in the world is I think we just, we worked on so many other friends' films in high school and out of high school and made up so much of our own stuff. And we, even on our first film, Deadheads, you know, you just screw up or you, you do some things right and then you do some things wrong. You just kind of keep adding to that toolbox of ditch the stuff that's not working and keep the things that are working and just keep refining the, that basically that set of tools that you have. I mean, I don't I like watching and reading as much about the process, but in some ways I kind of I just have that feeling. I always feel like I got to get my hands dirty and not do it right so that I can learn how to do it right. You know, that's yeah. why I like to write the first draft of the script, because I'm like. It doesn't need to be good. I just need to get in there and like play with it enough to figure out what it is and figure out what about it does work. And then even if I ditch 90% of that script or almost all of it, I'm, I'm the next draft's going to be pretty good or at least something that I can really work with. So yeah, you got to trust your gut. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to separate that when you're in like process mode. Yeah. But to trust like I know this is a good idea or this works for some reason because a lot of our favorite movies. Like if you pick them apart, sometimes there's things that shouldn't work, but emotionally they work. Yeah. 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 Makes Drew loves to point out like all this stuff, like this is how it works. And this video teaches you exactly how it works. And I have this like <laughs> aversion to it. Cause I'm like, no man, you can break that rule because of this, you know? So it's this good back and forth. We, we like constantly agree and not agree at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Congratulations again, guys. And thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this podcast. It was a lot of fun talking. Oh, about yeah. It. Thanks, thanks Dick. Dick. That was Appreciate it, man. man. Yeah. Right. Thanks. I'll see you Take later. Care. Take care. All right. So here, as always, are some key takeaways from this conversation with Brett and Drew Pierce. Number one, develop your idea using mythology. When conceiving of the main idea behind the wretched, Brett and Drew observed that witches were gaining in popularity, but there were no hard, fast, silver bullet, stake through the heart level rules about witches the way that there were vampires and werewolves. So they invented their own. To do so, Brett and Drew looked into a number of lesser known but deeply fascinating witch myths. 
Griffiths. Black Annie and the Boo Hag were a few of the mythological witch stories that Brett and Drew turned to for ideas, and then they composited their own witch concepts by picking and choosing from those that came before. This gave their witch a deeply textured history that was grounded in myth. This is probably why the movie was so resonant, because the mythology was based on deeply rooted stories. Number two, shoot your movie in places where they don't typically shoot movies. Brett and Drew chose to shoot The Wretched in a little town in Michigan nearby where they grew up. They mostly shot in actual locations and hired local extras, and as a result, their movie was such a spectacle that excited the local community and everybody eagerly wanted to get involved. People volunteered their houses and generally had a very helpful attitude about the movie. The willingness of people to give them access to land, houses, vehicles, etc. significantly boosted their production value and really helped get the film made as well as it got made. If you're working with a low budget, this is what you want, a helpful community. The fishing is best where the fewest go, so consider shooting your movie in locations that don't get a lot of production action. Clearly this has drawbacks and how there's no local crews and if you crack a lens, it's difficult to get a new one, but you gotta take the good with the bad. A lot of states with fewer amounts of productions in them often also have tax incentives as well, so look into those too. Number three, finish what you're working on. Small note, worth mentioning, the fact that the Pierce brothers had completed their first film Deadheads on a very small budget indicated to producers that they were legit because they knew how to make a movie with few resources and they knew how to finish movies. Having a history of completed projects or just one completed project that demonstrates your ability is a big asset when it comes to raising money for your film. So whatever you're working on, finish it. It can help you tremendously get your next project made. Number five, pitch the rich. The Pierce brothers pitched both of their movies to multiple people, many of which were not even in the film industry. A lot of them were dentists. As Dov Siemens points out in his book, Real to Deal, Dentists usually have a lot of money, and they don't know what to do with it, making them perfect people to fund your movie. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell did exactly that when they were making Evil Dead. They would go to these elaborate industry dinner parties with a bunch of dentists and their wives, and they would pitch them Evil Dead, and that's how it got funded. So find some local dentists and pitch them whatever you're working on. It worked for the Pierce brothers, and it worked for Sam Raimi. It might just work for you. Anyway, guys, thanks as always for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with your friends and family on social media. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at I'm Nick Taylor. That's I am Nick Taylor. And if you dug this episode, why not leave us a positive review? Thanks again for listening to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Horror Show.